Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, with the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz with RAGBRAI. This is the podcast where we talk about the social end of bicycling and, and the fun of it. So welcome to uh, welcome to our, our, our next episode. Um, this is going to be a roundtable, and I think we're going to have some fun today because we've got the whole gang in the room. Yeah, who's with us today? Hey, I'm Brian Powers. Andrea Parrott. And Kyle Munson. All right. Five. This, the Fab Five back together. This we is got fun. The band back together. <laughs> Haven't done this since the beginning. Right, right. So we've laid down how many? This is episode seven coming up. So this will be this, number seven, yeah. Wow. So lucky number seven. So we put out a lot of a lot of good stuff in between from the from the launch that happened right about the route announcement party in the bike expo. And we also put out a few just kind of quick shows as well. And we appreciate people's feedback. We're getting lots of good feedback and any comments, criticism, anything you want to chat about, don't be afraid to just drop us a line, give us a call or or stop us on the bike ride and uh, you know, we'll be glad to talk about it heck yeah yeah you know the nice part is that we've taken this thing on the road and this is one of the first times we've been back in the studio because there's a lot of things going on all across the state so that's been really fun that uh we're not just locked in a studio and we can get out there and and uh report on what's going on with with the bicycling movement and it seemed like there was a big rally yesterday i know i was up at the capitol and saw a lot of legislators and they were obviously wanting to talk about bicycling so you want to give a kind of an update what happened this week mark yeah there seems to be a, a bit of an arms race on bicycle lights uh virtually uh, both in policy and, and technology um we talked about changing lanes to pass bicycles and and that's been something that uh we've been working on for the past uh, couple of years and that seems to be the less controversial of the issues now we're focused more on change lanes to pass and how can we make bikes more visible. So there's competing uh, competing proposals out there right now. One in the house uh, that came up yesterday that wants to have lights on bikes during the daytime and lights on mm -hmm. bikes during the night. And then we just found out today that there's also a competing proposal in the Senate that just has nighttime lights. So we're kind of... Uh, kind of in that interesting debate time to hmm. figure out what's going to work. So let me get this straight. If we had bikes that were requiring to have daytime running lights, mm -hmm. I would love to be a battery salesman. <laughs> <in the record. laughs> I'm devising my strategy for my light company right now. So. And we better get a big landfill to put all those discarded batteries right. in because... Hmm. Some days we have 20,000 bikes and what are they? Two double A's a piece. So that Duracell has got to be very happy with, with the, the legislature. I think it's a, it's about a $3 million bake sale just for Ragbri. And, 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 and I hate to <laughs> burst your bubble, but Ragbri is just a fraction of what bicycling sure, is in this absolutely. state. I mean, there's a lot of people. Imagine if you're a family of, of five and you want to go bike the trail and it's along a primary highway. Now you have to spend an extra $500. Sometimes family fives don't spend $500 in all their kids' bikes. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a tough, tough thing that we got to debate sure. and, and figure out where does that safety and and you know or reality where does where, where do those two things collide? Where do you think you know? This makes me think of two things. Where do you think Iowa stands? I mean, it sounds like it, is this a little bit of a tit for tat? Like everybody seems to agree that. Let's have safe passing laws so that you have cars changing lanes to get around bicyclists. Mm -hmm. But then it's almost like politically there, there's this drive to have, okay, let's make the bicyclists have some skin in the game. So let's make them put lights on or something like that. Is it almost a political 
game going on there with trying to, uh, you know, do a tit for tat? You know, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I, and I, I don't think that's unusual when you talk about policy and legislation is, you know, you want this, what are you going to give me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the liability issue falls in there. Um, and, uh, you know, are, are bicyclists suddenly liable because they didn't have the light on? And, and the way the fatality crashes have happened, you know, in 2015, we had Wade Frank killed by a drunk driver and, and uh, uh, Grace Harkin killed by a driver text messaging. We had another one that was a hit and run. And then one didn't have bike lights on at night in, in, in dark clothing. Mm. So we can fix that one. But the other ones, the drunk driver, is that light going to solve anything? The text messenger, is that... Is that going to solve anything? The hit and run, is that going to solve, is that light going to stop that crash? Yeah. I don't think so. Where does Iowa rank, do you think, <clears throat> nationally? Are we, is this debate like ahead of the curve, behind the curve, or? No, um, <clears throat> this would be way ahead of the curve. There's no other states that has looked at daytime lights. This is, uh, this is uncharted territory. Um, the nighttime stuff, yeah, every state has a, a front headlight. Um, some have uh, rear taillights. Uh, most have rear taillight or reflector, um, and that's uh, that's one of those things that we've we've seen written into the change lanes to pass bill is the nighttime light. Let's just take the reflector option out, but let's also have a, a fix a ticket. So, if a bicyclist gets cited for that, they have uh, just like a headlamp out on your in, on your car. They have so many hours to fix and correct the situation and turn the ticket in with an affidavit and say, okay, I fixed it. Now the uh, the penalties expunged. Because the performance here is you don't want the bicyclist to spend $100 on a fine and still have to go get a light. You'd rather have them get the light. So, yeah. Where did uh, the legislation come from to start requiring bike lights? Is there, do, they, do they cite any studies or anything that show increased safety, or is it just somebody saying, hey, we think this would increase visibility? You, you know, that's really interesting. And, and you know, legislation oftentimes is just an idea. And, and maybe this will work. Let's let's throw it up there, see if it sticks to the wall. There was a great study in Europe, and, and there's four different countries, four different technologies on, on lights. Um, and uh, so they, they, they did this study and, and figured out no matter what the law was, no matter what the policy was, compliance didn't matter. Um, and safety didn't matter. They were finding that speeding, drunk driving, distracted driving, those what were, were causing bicyclists to get run over at night. Um, the light was was coincidental. So mm-hmm. now this doesn't apply to bike paths. This is just <coughs> yeah. roads, state highways, that sort of thing. Well, this is, this gets a little funny of of how you write laws, and sometimes there can be some some untoward effects. Um, right now, it's written on primary or secondary roads, um, which means any state highway, any federal highway system or any county road. But the problem is primary roads run through cities. Um, you know, Highway 69 and, and Southeast 14th are the same road. So if you're on a trail, uh, let's, let's, let's give a better example, Highway 6 out uh, on Hickman going through Waukee, anything that's within property line to property line would be the roadway. And uh, so if you're on a trail, you're on a primary roadway and that light part would, would apply. Hmm. So how do you get parents to figure that part out? Interesting. Uh, the second problem that we see is, is availability of lights. You can't just run into a Casey's and pick up a bike light. Bike light. And daytime lights, that's a whole, whole different thing. I mean, those have to be so many lumens to be visible during broad daylight. So they don't sell those at Target. 
And uh, if I'm a parent, you know, <laughs> I'm going in, I got, I got three kids, I want the cheapest lights that they got. Is the salesperson at Target going to let me know that that one's compliant with daytime law or not? And that's, uh, that's something I see is, is a big problem. I don't think I could tell you what, how many lumens any of my bike lights have at this moment. I would have no idea. They're bright. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I've got an idea. I've got my solution. I want a giant bazooka speaker, and so that it, and it lights up based on the beat of the music, so nobody can say that they didn't see me. So it'll just be you know blaring, and then uh, you know like the EQ lights just just gyrating, so everybody will see it. I love it. <laughs> I think I think everyone understands the intent of what's trying to happen. We're trying to make it safer for people out there, and I, I think over time, if you look at some of the uh, challenges that DOTs have dealt with in the past, such as, you know, people working on the side of the roadway or, you know, service providers, either a tow truck driver or a state trooper that, that gets off to write a ticket, that whole change lanes to pass has made that profession extremely safe. Mm -hmm. And I think we've become, it's become commonplace. You see those flashing lights, you get over. Mm -hmm. And if we someday get to that mentality of, you see a cyclist coming coming up upon, let's get over. And you don't think twice about it when you're going down the, the interstate or a county road and, and there's an, a, an extra lane over there, get over. And if we can ever get to that point, um, it doesn't matter how lit up you know the bicyclist is. If you get over, it's pretty hard to hit that cyclist. Mm -hmm. And the problem right now of putting an extra blinking light or anything like that, if you're, if you're texting or if you're you know, distracted, you're not, you're not going to even begin to get over. So, you know, what is the real root of the problem? It's, it's people being distracted. When you see that cyclist, if you move over, you know, that right there would probably, you know, take care of most of those, those fatalities that we've had last year in Iowa. Yeah. And there's nothing, and I think this is, this is a good tangent on this. There's nothing preventing you from having a light on your bike during the day that's not um it's your choice and, and it's just like wearing a helmet it's not required but you can choose to choose to wear one and and uh same way with the lights is is that you don't have to uh don't have to have one on during the day um, but if you choose to choose use one yeah go ahead be as visible as you possibly can and we want to encourage that laws that's a that's a different thing when you start to require things and it makes uh makes some challenges this has been a great policy talk. So. <laughs> we got, we we're, got deep on that. We're a crazy bunch. I know. Wow. Did the first bicycles come with lights? Uh, good, good question. And and we need a historian from about two hundred years ago, don't we? <laughs> well, that makes me think. Uh, you know what? I was I was doing a little bit of research before we did the roundtable, and I was alerted to the fact that we are in the bicentennial year of the bicycle. Hmm. Do you guys know that? Wow. Well, of course, that's why we had our bike lobby day yesterday as we were celebrating <laughs> 200 years of bicycling. Yeah, I mean, so uh, this, this is kind of fun. Uh, 1817, the Baron Karl von Drace, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, I hope. I took German in high school and haven't taken it since. Uh, in Mannheim, Germany, he created the what was called the running machine, the Lauf machine. And so this first... You know, Leonardo da Vinci and others had played around with bicycle-type designs, but this was the guy that actually did it. And it didn't have pedals. It was made of wood, and so it was kind of like Flintstones meets the bicycle. Mm. You had to kind of run along with your feet and, uh, you know, keep stable. And that was the first bicycle. So I would be interested to know 
How should we celebrate the bicentennial of the bicycle on this podcast this was, year? Was his bike kind of dubbed the Mannheim Steamroller by chance? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. like those striders that you get for kids that yeah. are trying to learn, like those balance bikes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually sounds mm. kind of fun, you know? <laughs> You think Coast he might have went into the pub after he got off the first bike ride and had a beer? Was that the first social bike <laughs> ride? There we go. You're thinking Germany. You're you're figuring he might have had a had a draft after that. Maybe it was a tweet. Maybe the tweed ride is the original bike ride. He was probably wearing like you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. <laughs> we'll have to investigate that and see where we go with that. Maybe I'll call into Parrot Talk and ask how how should I celebrate the bicentennial <laughs> this year? Yes, please do. <laughs> well, we could have a Strider race. That would. Uh... You know, put all 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 the Jesco bike team on on Striders. We'll race it out and uh, mm. and celebrate the, the bicentennial. That could be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we could like do it. We could like raise money for some you know for, uh, you know for a nonprofit or something like that. What is there? Is there a Strider? I haven't seen a Strider. If you, oh. Are there Striders around still? Oh sure. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh geez, those are hugely popular. In fact, there's a there's a Strider National Championship that goes on where they put really? five year olds oh. on an obstacle course and race them. It's supposed to be highly entertaining okay. <laughs> all right well maybe we need to talk to somebody from like the the strider association of america or something yeah. Yeah. Huh. great way to teach a kid um how to ride a bicycle by starting off on a strider or or something similar but see lots of kids out there learning their their first bike we kind of grew up on tricycle to training wheels to you know you're on your own and so there's there's some neat and interesting tools out there to kind of teach kids how to ride a bike Mm -hmm. that's cool Cool. what else we're talking about today kyle i think you had some (laughs) are we reverting back to your days when you were what the music critic of the des moines register yeah that's right you know yeah for listeners who don't know i mean i love bicycles but i'm also like a rock and roll fiend and i was a a music critic for about a decade of my life and um studying the the culture of all things loud and gnarly um and so I started doing this podcast. I was wondering, well, what are the best bicycle songs out there? What are the bike songs? There were the obvious ones. Um, you know, maybe Bicycle Race by Queen came to mind. Mm-hmm. I was uh, at a local used record shop, and I just happened to fall across this. I'd never seen it before. It's uh, Maybe we'll post this on the Facebook uh, page or on our website. Uh, it's an album called Night Rider, not the TV series, but just Night Rider. N-I-G-H-T, by a man named Tim Weisberg, and he's in, like, racing gear on his, I don't know, 10 speed or something on the cover. It's from the 1970s. I thought, wow, a rock album about, you know, with by a bicyclist. No, he's a flute player. And he, <laughs> <laughs> and he came to fame with Dan Fogelberg, and it's smooth jazz flute. But anyway, he's all up in his bike yeah. gear on the album. So and I noticed he does not have a bike light, actually. So That's right, and he's riding at night. Night <laughs> rider. Well, it all ties together. <laughs> yeah. what do you, I don't know. What bicycle songs? Do you guys have any favorite bike songs? We always have this joke that it's the Rag Bryce soundtrack. You know, the 10 songs that you hear every day on Ragbri, they we should just bottle those up on a soundtrack and and mm. put them together i mean if you don't hear stroking on uh Ragbri, um, <laughs> there, there's a great little clip that um is kind of a cartoonish kind of thing about hawaii versus Ragbri, <laughs> and they mention the song stroking in there and i just chuckle every time i hear that but i mean if you've never been on Ragbri, just just understand that there are there are probably eight to ten songs that no matter what the dj is they're going to play one of these songs mm-hmm. and and the crowd's going to go nuts for no obvious reason because that song was what from 1984 or something like that and no relevance whatsoever but 
stroking comes on and, and there's people dancing. <laughs> That's awesome. I um, uh, Maybe my favorite bike song might be Pink Floyd's first weird album from 1967 has a song that I think is called Bike on there back when... Mm. Um, uh, the first incarnation of the band. And then uh, I did find Kraftwerk. They did a song, an entire album actually, to salute the centennial of the Tour de France. Mm. So That's a little cool. German electronic music to celebrate the, <laughs> the French bicycle race. So mm. Electronic music can be great to bike to. Like think spin class, like it's got a good beat, you know. Good it point. works. There we go. Mm -hmm. Makes well, me feel like a hamster. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's also kind of interesting, I mean, when you're living in the midwest and typically it's snowing outside and you're you know forced down to your basement or whatever you know to ride that bike trainer and you put those head headphones on earbuds on and you're like you know jamming i mean what what's kind of your like song that you know that comes on and you're just like going from you know zero to mach 10 is there anything that just gets you like man that song comes on and you're just just absolutely jamming and, and you're kicking it into the higher gear well, I'll go first. Uh, Beastie Boys, body moving every time. Nice. <laughs> it's not, not directly related to bicycles, but always a great bike jam. I love that. That's great. I might say the Clash clampdown. That's always been like my, you know, stick it to, stick it to the man and yeah. keep pedaling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Seven Nation Army. You know that oh, one. There you go. Perfect. Uh -huh. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You guys got it. <laughs> um, there's a, a German metal band called Volbeat, and they have a song called Warrior that's just like, boom. Yeah. Got to go hard. I'm kind of a little like Guns N' Roses or ACDC. Mm -hmm. I mean, you put on like yeah. Paradise City, and, you know, I mean, if you can keep up with that song, you know, throughout slash just just killing it on a guitar i mean that that kind of stuff will get you sweating and uh you know you can't really go into like a kind of mellow spin class and they're gonna put on you know some air supply or whatever and <laughs> tim weisberg yeah exactly <laughs> but if you want to you know if you want to crank it up you know work some good thunderstruck from acdc i mean something like that will get you going in the morning yeah. so well, since we said our favorites, I feel like I need to say my least favorite. When I was, back when I used to actually ride Ragbri, um, I would always say, if I heard Brown Eyed Girl one more time, <laughs> I would just jump off my bike and quit. <laughs> it was too much. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. That's like, the, there's a, the, I've, I've heard about a thousand Sweet Caroline sing-alongs mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Those, those become the bathroom songs. It's like, yeah. oh, now it's time to get yeah. into the Kaibo line. I don't want to hear this one. <laughs> no offense to everyone who actually loves that yes, song. No. Just too many times. We love every song. Yes. <laughs> I used to shoot a lot of weddings um, coming from the photography side. And every time it was uh, Black Eyed Peas, Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night. Oh, no. <laughs> like, just kicked off every reception I ever shot. And I just never wanted to hear that song again, ever. <laughs> I feel like yeah. listeners are really getting to know us in this round table. Yeah, this, is, this has been a good exercise. Well, and, and if they have suggestions for their best yes. or worst, please yeah. reach out. Uh -huh. You can reach out at Paratalk. Paratalk, yep. Uh, uh, Bike podcast at gmail.com or you can reach out on social media. We're at Just Go Bike pretty much everywhere. Well, I can do without hearing YMCA ever mm, again. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's... Yeah, just take that one away from the from the soundtrack. <laughs> I know we've had uh, quite a few topics that that have come up. I mean, I'm sure we're going to keep on top of this uh, legislative issue and uh, lots more to come from up on the hill. 
You bet. Uh, we've got uh, we've got plenty going on, and it seems to be a kind of a daily trudge up to uh, up to the Capitol. In fact, I'm uh, probably going up there after we speak. I'm I'm keeping a suit in my car all the time now, <laughs> just in case. So, and is there anything? you know any of our listeners can do i mean to help the situation what what can they do if they say hey i want to get involved i want to help what can i do yeah the number one thing that you can do is is talk to your legislator um google iowa legislature and uh there's a find your legislature page right there on the front um and your state senator and your uh your state representative they want to hear from you and 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 i think that's always really important and a quick email a quick phone call um, catch them at a forum if uh, there's any seats left at, at one of those on the weekend. But they want to hear with, with issues that, that are important to you as, as one of the voters in their district. And I, I really honestly think that's what's propelled this issue forward is bicyclists are speaking up. They're packing the rooms. They're going to the meetings. They're sending a lot of emails. And, and that's really important that, that they have a voice. So that's, uh, that's where we really want to go with, with that and make sure that your legislator knows where you are. Okay. Well, good. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for, you know, having the, the full gang here. We've got to do this more often just to kind of get around. I know we've got some other topics on this week's Just Go Bike. Uh, remember, you can tune in as a subscriber on iTunes, on Stitcher, Google Play, or on SoundCloud, so make sure you subscribe to that. If you've got any great topics that you'd like us to discuss, don't be afraid to hit us up on any of those platforms as well. So looking forward to another great show, so thanks for tuning in. Hey everyone, Brian Powers here. I just wanted to go over a few Iowa bike laws that have been making the news lately. The one in particular is House Bill 130 that's making its way through the House right now. The bill includes a change lanes to pass law that requires drivers to give bicyclists the entire lane, which is great. The bill did have an amendment on it that some bike advocates were taking issue with, though. The amendment required bikes to use lights even during the day. House Representative John Wills introduced the legislation, and I caught up with him up at the state capitol last week. Are they really necessary at day in the daylight? And, you know, seven strikes were rear strike injuries or, or fatalities last year. So that means the driver either didn't see the bike or they were distracted. Now we're dealing with distracted driving in a different bill. The one that I'm concerned with is to to eliminate the ones where the the motorist didn't see the biker. As of Tuesday morning, the bill has passed the House Transportation Committee with a daytime light provision, which bike advocates were most concerned about, removed. Here's Jeremy Lewis, a daily bike commuter and executive director of the Des Moines Bike Collective. Bike lights make a lot of sense for a lot of people, and I would strongly encourage people whenever possible to use a front and a back light. Currently, as you might be aware, the state code requires between dusk and dawn a front light, a front white light, and a rear reflector. Jeremy's issue with the amendment was not necessarily using the lights, but using the law to require them. This would shift the liability from a driver to the cyclist in the event of a crash. House Representative Wills. We're really uh, looking at safety from multiple perspectives and not saying the bikers are at fault or the motorists are at fault, but everybody needs to work together to create a, a safe environment. So for now, the House bill will sit and wait until it is assigned a date to be voted on by the full House. The Senate bill, meanwhile, will continue to work its way through the committee. Follow along on Twitter at Just Go Bike, where we will be posting updates as they come. Hello and welcome to this week's Parrot Talk. Today's letter is brought to you by a self-professed pack mule by the name of Jacob from Fort Dodge, Iowa. 
He says he's a strong rider who enjoys the challenge of self-supporting while voluntarily taking on pack mule status for any group that he joins. There are a lot of options out there for racks and bicycle trailers, and he likes to carry stuff like an ice cooler for lunch or sports drinks, all of his gear, maybe even some kind of precious cargo, and he'd like the rundown of options for bicycle racks and trailers. And I'm happy to do that for you today, but first I'm going to start with what not to wear or bring with you because I have a personal vendetta against fanny packs. Do not wear a fanny pack. You're not going to look good unless you're Dwayne The Rock Johnson or Hulk Hogan. So avoid that. I'm also kind of against wearing some sort of like backpack, such as maybe a camelback is the most popular kind. I just think there's nothing really wrong with them. They're just hard to clean and they're too hot. Plus, it sounds like they're not going to give you enough capacity for what you're looking for. Okay, so now that that's out of the way, let's talk about stuff that I would recommend that you use. I'm going to go from the smallest options to the largest options so you can really see the wide range of stuff that's out there. And a lot of this is going to come down to what kind of volume are you going to want to carry? What kind of weight are you going to want to carry? And what are you comfortable riding with? So you may want to go out and do some test rides or talk to somebody at your local bike shop or your local sporting goods store. So the first thing I'd recommend is something called a trunk bag or a seat post attached bag, which is what I use. I like to call it the tick because mine you can expand so that it can get fairly large, but the weight is limited because it is attached to your seat post. So you're not going to carry your bowling ball around in this thing, but I can fit my jacket, a couple drinks, a couple sandwiches, sunscreen, little stuff like that. So moving on, we'll go to the side racks and they have a bag that's called a pannier or a saddle bag that you can have and they go on each side of your bike. The only thing is that you probably do want to have one on each side so that your weight is equally distributed and you'll want to pack them carefully so that everything, the heavier stuff's on the bottom and they don't cause you to tip over or get too wobbly. Uh, the other thing is that they can cost almost as much as a bike trailer costs and they have limited capacity, but they're very compact and they're very waterproof. So if you want to do a lot of all weather cycling or if you got a fat bike for the winter, they can be great for that, and they do have a lot more capacity than the trunk bag does. So moving around the bike, you get to the front and back bike racks. Now there's a lot of different ways and places that you can mount these. Remember, if you put it higher, you can get more capacity, but it's less stable. And if you put it lower, you'll obviously not be able to carry as much, but it'll be a lot more stable. So it kind of depends on what style of riding you like and how comfortable you are with being a little wobbly. If you do have a back rack, make sure you test ride it a couple times because you'll need to be able to pedal in a full 360 degrees without hitting your heel on that bag. You don't want to tip over with 80 pounds of gear. And these bags can carry up to 80 pounds of gear, which is maybe six or seven bowling balls. That's a lot of capacity. A lot of times these kind of bags are attached by the little eyelets that are pre-made on your bike. But if you don't have those, you can still use a front and back bike rack by getting a special C-clamp that'll just clamp it right on there. So then we come to the pull-behind trailer, which might be the option that I recommend for Jacob because you can really carry a lot of stuff with these things from 70 pounds on up, depending on what style of trailer you get. Now, there are 1,001 brands of these, so I'm not going to name anything specifically. It all depends on what combination of benefits that you want to have. There's some with Two wheels, one wheel, four wheels, depending on how stable you want to be and what kind of stuff you're carrying. There's some with dry bags, some without bags and just a net. I mean, there's really the whole gamut of these kind of things. But the one thing that I would recommend is there's two forms of attachment of these trailers, some attached to your seat post and some attached to your rear hub. 
Now, I would definitely recommend the rear hub attachment because it's just so much more stable. And when I have something that heavy attached to my seat post, I feel like the seat post is going to snap off. Now, whether or not it is, I don't know. But I just don't like that feeling of like any possibility of that seat snapping off. So for this last recommendation, I have to say this is in no way a product endorsement. I've never actually used one or seen one in real life. But I saw these when I was looking things up online. And they're called Bikes at Work. And they're out of Ames, Iowa. And they're huge flatbed trailers. And they carry up to 300 pounds. So if you really want to take this to the next level, you can look into something like this. They had pictures of these things carrying mattresses, tote boxes, even like a barbecue smoker which is really awesome. And I would love to see one of those out in the trails. So if you do this and get one of these, you're my hero. So from little trunk bag to ginormous flatbed trailer, there really is a huge range out there for you. And it may just come down to going out to your local bike shop or sporting goods store and just seeing what's out there and what you think will feel best while you're riding on the bike. Well, Jacob, I hope this helped you out at least a little bit in trying to decide what kind of bags or trailers you want to get to help carry all your friends, coats, food, and bowling balls. Now, if you want to ask me a question, all you have to do is tweet me at Just Go Bike, send us a Facebook message at that same address, or send us an email at JustGoBikePodcast at gmail.com. I'd be happy to answer your questions about biking, bike culture, or whatever else you want to talk about. Or even, what do you think we should do to celebrate the 200th anniversary of cycling coming up in June? Period talk. Did you know Parrot Talk has a phone number? You can call me at 515-661-4884 and leave me a message with your question about bikes, cycling culture, or whatever else you want to talk about. And just a reminder that the Jesco Bike Podcast is brought to you by three different sponsors. Primalware out of Colorado. If you're looking for just a great cycling kit for your club or team, make sure you contact Primalware. And it's also sponsored by the Iowa City Coralville Convention and Visitors Bureau. They host the Grand Gable Ride and also will host the World Cup of Cyclocross again this fall. And last but not least, the Grinnell Bike Shop that Craig Cooper has been running down there with April Cooper as well. Bikes to you. And they are a Ragbride charter, so and also Ragbride in style, but also a fantastic bike shop. So thanks to those sponsors for keeping us rolling. We've reached the end of the Just Go Bike podcast. You can find our show notes at justgobike.net. What do you want to talk about on the show? Drop us a line at Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Just Go Bike. Be sure to subscribe to the Just Go Bike podcast, leave us some feedback, and join us next week for more. That's all for now. Thanks for listening, and get out there and ride. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer. Brian Powers is the show's producer, and the Just Go Bike podcast is brought to you by the Des Moines Register, a part of the USA Today Network.